Welcome to the Why It Works podcast. I'm Joe Kwan, your host. Together, we'll pull back the curtain to reveal the hidden principles behind why things work. Things work for a reason. Let's find out why. Today's podcast is sponsored by Mizzen and Maine, next generation dress shirts that breathe, stretch, and wick away moisture. They require no ironing, no dry cleaning, and are machine washable. For a limited time, on orders of over $100, listeners of Why It Works will receive $25 off. To receive your discount, go to the show notes at www.joquanjo.com slash whyitworks and click on the Mizzen and Main link in the sponsor section. Here with us today is Edith Richards, founder of consulting firm A Top Career and nationally recognized expert on Myers-Briggs Type Indicator. For nearly 20 years, Edith has helped hundreds of job seekers locate and sustain meaningful employment. Edith's passion is working with career changers, helping individuals identify their ideal careers and empowering them on their path forward. We speak to Edith from her home in Northern Virginia on a brisk autumn day. Welcome, Edith, to the Why It Works podcast, and thank you for being here. Hi, Joe. Thanks so much for having me. I really enjoyed your articles, and you seem to think and write about a lot of topics I'm also interested in, career, personal development, job skills. As I prepared for our episode, I stumbled across your story about the irony of being laid off after helping many others through that exact same situation, and enjoyed your The Journey Forward podcast about your experience moving through that process. What were one or two things that surprised you as you successfully transitioned to your next role? There were actually several things that surprised me, but two that come to mind right now. One is that when you are kind of king or queen of your own domain, uh, whether that's a big pond or a small pond or a huge ocean, and you move to a different pond or a different ocean, it's really tough uh, because you're kind of starting out again from the bottom. Uh, so that can be kind of hard to deal with. And, you know, you're learning just, uh, you're, you're bringing in a new set of skills, you're learning uh, new tasks, uh, working with different people. So that was one thing. And then the other thing is related to what I'm going to be talking about today with type, with the Myers-Briggs, and how people who are very similar to you in terms of their type may not be, for whatever reason, the best co-workers, and uh, people who are very different um, could be the best co-workers, or vice versa. You You just never know. Great. Well, I can't wait to explore that a little bit further. Let's get to know you a little bit better. Tell us what you do, but break it down as if you were explaining it to a five-year-old. I am a career counselor, a career development professional, and also a facilitator and a trainer. But my professional identity really is a, is a career counselor, and my favorite population to work with is adults who are in mid-career transition or, or who are thinking about changing careers. I'm also a certified professional resume writer, 
and I am an avid practitioner of emotional intelligence and, of course, the Myers-Briggs. And these are areas that I have found to be stumbling blocks for adults who are, who are transitioning. Uh, there could be, for example, just some confusion or lack of awareness of careers that are out there or what they should do uh, moving forward. And then also a lack of awareness in how to conduct a job search for today's market. So I have have just found that adults um, who don't fall into any one category are just, for me, the most interesting people to to work with uh, because they don't fall into any particular category and they are often most in need of services uh, such as the ones I provide. Great. Now, if you had to complete the sentence, I help people, how would you complete it? I help people find uh, meaningful and long-lasting careers. Love it. Love it. (laughs) I'm so happy you're here today to talk about Myers-Briggs Type Indicator, and let me tell you why. I believe that while most people think they're making reasoned decisions all the time, a lot of the time what they're doing is actually responding to underlying patterns or learned reactions. And I imagine with the type of work you do, you get a lot of insight into that. What are some of the things that prevent people from seeing themselves clearly? I think it really boils down to a lack of awareness, a lack of self-awareness. And that can happen for a number of reasons. Uh, People were not uh, forced maybe to confront what it is they really want to do or how their behaviors are impacting what they want to do. How are they coming across to their audience? And if suddenly, for example, someone loses their job, you know, they're forced to, to confront these things. And for some people, it, it can come out as anger or, or even aggression if, uh, you know, their, their employer suddenly lets them go. Uh, without merit or without perceived merit. And then for some people, they, they slide into depression. Uh, and, and this can affect uh, the, their families and their livelihood and people around them. So, so for me, it's very important that people get a handle on, the, on these things, on these behaviors that are impacting uh, their ability to move forward in their careers and in their lives. Yeah, and I think the really interesting thing is we're all susceptible to that, right? It's not like I'm perfectly self-aware or you're perfectly self-aware. I think all of us have these blind spots and maybe certain things we see clearly, but in other things we're, we're not as clear about. And our close friends and family could probably tell us if they chose to. Yeah, that's, uh, that's one activity that, that actually I like to, to give people is, mm. you know, it, query your, your family and your close friends uh, ask them how are you how are you coming across uh, and that can be a, a really enlightening experience uh, for people to see great let's take a look at our first clip where it's a brave new world where people's talents are maximized okay sounds good detective listen I'm sorry about last night here I made this feel For me? Yeah. Thank you. Oh, I'll drive. I gotta learn to do this once in my life. Okay. 
Thank you for the lovely gift. Look, I don't know what you guys put into my cryo slush, but when I thought out, the first thing I wanted to do was knit. I mean, how come I know what a zipper foot and a shuttle and a hook and bobbin and a petty point is? I can weave a throw rug right now with my eyes closed. <laughs> it's part of your rehab program. For each inmate, the computer draws up a skill or trade which best suits their genetic disposition. And it would implant the knowledge and the desire to carry out whatever training was assigned. I'm a seamstress? Oh, that's just great. I come out of cryo prison and I'm Betsy f***ing Ross. And Phoenix comes out and he can access computers, operate all vehicles, knows the location of every damn thing in town. Your thoughts, Edith? I guess I, I should really start by uh, talking about what the Myers-Briggs type indicator is and a little bit about what it measures, uh, just for listeners who maybe aren't aware of it. So the Myers-Briggs type indicator is an assessment that looks at our natural preferences, where we direct our energy, how we take in information, how we make decisions, and how we orient ourselves to the external world. And knowing your Myers-Briggs type can help you decide on, uh, for example, career paths that come easier for you based on your natural preferences. So this clip uh, from Demolition Man is about career choice, about our uh, career choice that comes most naturally and effortlessly to us. And in my work with career changers uh, for over 15 years now, I've found that conservatively, 70 to 75% of people uh, ending up actually going through their entire lives disliking what they do for a living. Wow. Yeah, it, it's really a lot. Uh, and I mean, I'm sure if you ask people you know if they really like what they're doing for a living, a large number are, are going to say no. And it's, it's sad. It's sad to, to hear that. But there are also some people who are satisfied with their career choice. And in this video clip, uh, Sandra Bullock's character explains that part of uh, Sylvester Stallone's rehab is to implant uh, a skill or a trade that best suits his genetic disposition, right? In, in, that, in this case, it's knitting. <laughs> <laughs> So, so this brings up to me a couple of interesting points. One is that people are inherently predisposed to a particular career path or paths. And two, can people learn a particular skill if they don't naturally possess this ability? And my thought is yes, uh, in both cases. So, if we look at these questions from the perspective of type theory. So uh, again, at its core, type theory, Myers-Briggs type indicator is all about our preferences. We have a preference for chocolate or vanilla, uh, tennis or soccer, knitting or drawing. <laughs> and uh, favorite for type practitioners is we have a preference for either our right hand or our left hand. And in my case, I have a preference for my right hand. I was born as a right-handed person. It doesn't mean I can't use my left hand if I'm forced to do so. So wow. apparently in this clip, Sylvester Stallone was born with a predisposition to knit or to <laughs> knitting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and what's another thing that's interesting to me about this is uh, the 
CAPT, which is the Center for Applications of Psychological Types. So they do the the research for the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator. And they've been researching career choice for different Myers-Briggs types for over 30 years. And they've found that most people do self-select into careers and career fields based on personality type. And it makes sense when you think about it. Our, Our personality type is about where our natural strengths lie. And you're more empowered to find a career and a work environment that's a best fit when you're being true to yourself. So when you've been counseling your clients, how do people kind of make that connection between, okay, I have certain predispositions, uh, I have certain things that I like doing, and potential career options that are out there. I mean, I understand like there may be some, there, there may be some tools that help them do that, but, but how do people kind of naturally figure that out? What do you find kind of works and doesn't work? I find what works is relating to them uh, where they are at the moment and mm-hmm. um, based on, on their own uh, preferences, personality or otherwise. And, you know, with that said, the, the Myers-Briggs really should not be the sole measure of one's career decision. Um, there's right. so many, yeah, there's so many other factors that, that come into play when we're, we're thinking about our career choice. And unfortunately, that's one of the, the ways that it's misused uh, is just to say, well, you know, hey, you're in uh, ESFJ, so you should go into, you should be a nurse or you should be uh, an office manager or something like that. And that's absolutely not the case. It should never be used in, in that way. Uh, it should be used to, you know, enhance and enhance our, our natural tendencies uh, and to, to help us become more self-aware so that we can make the, the right decision for us. Yeah, I'm a big believer in the fact that the issue a lot of times is people don't think deeply enough about these things and a tool, whether it's, you know, Myers-Briggs or any other sort of tool can often help them with that thinking, or at least get them started down the road of thinking more meaningfully about it. It's, it's, it's not an algorithm. You don't punch in a bunch of things and get a perfect answer, but now maybe like, Hey, I never thought about being a nurse. I always thought I wanted to be a firefighter. And now I'm thinking, wait, maybe there are some things, maybe I'm not a nurse, but maybe there's something in that field that, I would not have thought of before, but now that I'm thinking about it in, the, in those terms, I can move my thoughtfulness a little bit further along the road than just saying, you know what, my dad did this, so I'm going to do this. Yeah, absolutely. And it would be, it would be great if people had these discussions uh, earlier when, you know, when they were younger. And I, I hear yes. that too, you know, oh, I wish, you know, I wish my my kid had this when they were in college or, you know, uh, if, if I had known this when I was so much younger, my life would have turned out differently. But, you know, the, there's, um, I, I don't think there's any bad age with that said to, to, uh, to make a change if that's what you want to do. Great. Yeah. Well, let's take a look at our next video because our audience won't be able to see what's going on. Let me give a quick description. Uh, and if you could recap after we watch it, that'd be great too. Cool. So basically it's a guy, he's got two pet birds, cockatoos, and he's playing a song and one bird is rocking out and the other, not so much. Come on, Owen. Let's 
do better than others. see here Edith. okay i love this video every time i see it it just makes me laugh <laughs> <laughs> so the first letter of the myers-briggs type indicator is going to be either e or i extroversion or introversion so people are engaged in one of two ways extroverted types like to mix and mingle with people they receive energy from interacting with others and taking action they speak freely and vocally, uh, participate in a breadth of activities, and they may get restless if they're not involved with people or activities or if they're alone too, for too long. Uh, introverted types focus their energy and attention inwardly. They think things through before sharing, and they often find uh, socializing, especially with large groups of strangers, to be exhausting. So they're more selective in the activities they participate in and uh, the people they, they socialize with. And they tend to get agitated without enough alone time or undisturbed time. So important to note that every person uses both introversion and extroversion every day. And so what I hear a lot is, you know, well, I, you know, sometimes I'm an introvert, sometimes I'm an extrovert. Well, we all are, but there's one that we prefer. There's one that comes much more naturally to us than others. And that's kind of what we're getting at here. So with that said, what would you say when you look at those birds, like which, which one would you say is the extroverted bird? And how do you know? Yeah, I mean, the in the video, one bird, his, um, I don't know if you call it plumage, you know, goes up. It, it looks like he's wearing a hat. He's, so he or she is bobbing their head up and down. And they're actually, it's interesting, they're moving towards the other bird. And at one point, the other bird actually puts their leg up and is like kind of like creating distance. Like, hey, don't get too yeah. close to me. Like, back off. It was, yeah. it was really kind of entertaining. Yeah, <laughs> very much so. <laughs> Yeah, the the other bird. It's I'll I'll call him the quieter bird. He kind of looks like he puts his his, his paws or his, his little feet up, and he's like, "Leave me alone! Don't bother me!" And the other one's kind of looking at him like, "What? You don't you don't like this? You don't like this music? You don't want to like rock out here with me? You know what's wrong?" With you? <laughs> So, um, so, so obviously, obviously to me, uh, the, the bird that's, um, the more active one seems to be more indicative of Myers-Briggs extroverted types, whereas the other one is more indicative of introverted types. <laughs> one thing I find kind of interesting is there's this common assumption that somehow extroversion is better. And I know some researchers like Susan Cain have, you know, written books about the power of introversion. What sort of things have you seen with 
uh, your experience counseling people how extroversion and introversion can come into play in different ways, and one is not necessarily always better than the other. Yeah. What's interesting in terms of the statistics of this is that uh, uh, close to 50%, I think it's about 50% of uh, Americans and uh, people in the UK, you'll find an equal distribution. So we'll have 50% of the population is introverted and 50% extroverted. But as you alluded to, uh, a lot of introverted types Uh, feel like they're at a disadvantage because we do live in a world that supports extroverted preferences. So if you're in a work environment, for example, where it's not um, as socially acceptable to use those introverted tendencies, then yeah, you are going to feel to be in an advantage. But it works the same for extroverted types as well. If they're in a a work environment or even a family uh, that doesn't support those those types, they're not going to. They they might feel like something's missing or something's um, not being um, utilized in them. Yeah. So so it can be um, it can be a tricky um, a tricky path there. Uh, but the way that I encourage people to to approach this is just to understand your own type preferences be true to yourself, but also at the same time, understand how other people like to direct their energy and attention. For, for extroverted types who are, uh, have to communicate with introverted types, for example, that could be, you know, give, the, give them time to prepare their responses. With introverted types, they, they tend to process information in their head uh, and so extroverted types need to be a little more cognizant of that sometimes. So, so give, them, give them a chance to prepare what they're going to say and allow them to be uh, autonomous. Introverted types typically also don't like to, to be put on the spot. So, so if you, they're not the best um, spontaneous speakers. So uh, just being mindful of things like that uh, can be very helpful. And, you know, at the same time, when introverts are communicating with extroverts, um, they need to prepare themselves, too, because it, it can be exhausting. It can be exhausting to be in a room full of those types of birds <laughs> that are, you know, <laughs> you know, rocking out all the time and they're noisy. And uh, so, so introverted types typically need to, to have some time to prepare themselves and allow those extroverted types um, to be who they are. Uh, extroverted types tend to process their information that's in their head um, verbally. So it's speak, think, speak. <laughs> so, you know, and, and it's just their way. It's just their way of um, communicating. So just being mindful of, of these types of differences and, and understanding that really can, can go a long way. So what I'm hearing here from you, Edith, and what I think is pretty powerful is just that understanding that just because someone's like you or isn't processing things or reacting the same way as you do, it's not because there's something wrong with them or they don't like you or they don't know what's going on. It's, it, it's pretty interesting that once you can understand that, okay, maybe this is the reason why, you gave some great suggestions, whether, you know, extrovert to introvert or introvert to extrovert, you can approach it in a way that helps you work better together and have a better result 
rather than thinking, well, if they're not saying anything, they must not be interested. Or, gosh, why won't this person be quiet? They, they don't know what they're talking about. They're just blathering on. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's respecting. It's respecting each other, understanding where each other is coming from, and then, um, and then respecting uh, that person's needs. Absolutely. Great. It's funny how two close friends can see the same thing very differently. Here's a great example. Hey, Bert! Old buddy Bert! Come here, Bert! Quick! Quick, Bert! Well, quick, 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 Bert! Quick, quick, quick! I was feeding my beautiful pigeons over there! Yes, Bert, but look what I found! <gasps> oh, Ernie, that is beautiful! Well, of course oh. it is, but do you know what it is, Bert? Ernie, of course I know what it is! You? Yeah? It's a circle! A perfect circle! Well, it's a circle! Yeah? It's round! Right? It's so perfect! And round! True! This thing that you found! Yeah? Down on the ground. Right. It's a circle, my friend. <laughs> just a ring without end. It's a circle. It's round. It won't make a sound. Up and down and around. Right side up and upside down. It's a circle. A circle. A circle. Yeah. And round. Well, you're right about that, Bert. It is a circle, but it's ever so much more, Bert. Well, Ernie, what do you mean more than that? It's a circle, Ernie. It's perfect, just as it is. Yes, but use your imagination, Bert. Now, now look at the circle. Yeah. What else do you see that reminds you of a circle? Huh? See what I mean? It's the sun and the sky. It's a big pizza pie. It's a full harvest moon or a bright red balloon. A button on a coat. A porthole on a boat, it's a wire spoke wheel on an automobile. It's a pancake with berries, a bowl of bean cherries, a dime or a nickel, a slice of dill pickle, a bullseye, a snowball, a basketball hoop, a dish with some ice cream, can I have a scoop? A fried egg, a muffin, a clock on the wall, a bubble, a marble, a thumbtack, a ball, a peach pie, a tire, a knob on the door, it's a circle I know, but it's so much more. I know that all those different things remind you of a circle, Ernie, but I like this circle just like it is. Yeah. A perfect circle. Oh, yeah. It's the sun and it's the sky. A it's a big pizza it's pie. Round. It's a full it's harvest so moon. Perfect. Or a bright ribbon. And round. A button on a Edith, what did we just witness? So to Bert, the circle is exactly that. It's round. It's perfect. It won't make a sound. Uh... Ernie sees something different. It's ever so much more than a circle. He's using his imagination to intuit what the circle could be. A pizza, the sun, wheels, a scoop of ice cream. The possibilities are never ending. So the, the, the second letter in our Myers-Briggs type is S or N. Uh, S is for sensing, N is for intuition. And people tend to see the same thing in two different ways, or they're gathering data from the world around them in one of two ways. Sensing types show a literal, realistic, often detailed preference for information gathering. They're focused on facts and present realities. 
Sensing types use their five senses, what they see, hear, taste, touch, and smell, uh, to notice information through direct observation. And they value solid and recognizable achievements. They may see the trees, but not the forest. Hmm. Yeah, intuitive types, on the other hand, are big picture people who use their five senses, but they're drawn towards using their sixth sense or their intuition uh, to notice information through general concepts. They, they might uh, drift off into their own worlds, thinking or talking about something that might happen in the future, as their focus is future-oriented or on possibilities of what could be. Uh, intuitives, therefore, value uh, more unique achievements uh, through, uh, that are achieved um, through their inspiration or their imagination rather than factual information. And for intuitive types, they may see the forest, but not the trees. So obviously in, in this video clip, Bert to me is the sensor. He pays attention to sensory information, what he can see, hear, taste, touch, and smell. He's just the, about the facts. It's, sensors are just the facts people. Mm -hmm. They're literal, they're concrete, and they're focused on what is, not what could be. They're, you, you know, they're more practical. So they're, they're therefore more um, concrete, concrete problem solvers. Ernie is the intuitive. He's looking for new ideas, how things can relate to each other. Uh, concepts and meanings, uh, theoretical information. Most intuitive types will prefer to work with ideas or with theories. Uh, intuition in, involves more of an unconscious awareness of facts, events, uh, and the whole world of experience to produce insights about more complex relationships, um, future possibilities, and trends. So this dichotomy between uh, sensing and intuition, uh, in my opinion, is strongly related to our career choice. Sensing types will more often choose career paths where they can achieve uh, tangible or practical results with tangible things. Uh, they're therefore going to gravitate towards careers like accounting or uh, project management or bookkeeping or uh, mechanics, uh, chiropractors, uh, vocational teachers. Uh, these are all careers that are hands-on and they require concrete ability to solve real-world problems. I intuitives are going to be more attracted to career paths where they can use their creativity, uh, generate new ideas, or operate on a more abstract level. Uh, intuitives are found more frequently among psychotherapists, professors, uh, analysts, strategists, uh, or careers that involve coming up with innovative solutions uh, to complex or challenging problems, uh, or making predictions on where to allocate resources um, based on economic trends, for example. Uh, higher education is also more appealing to intuitives uh, because, because it tends to be more uh, theoretical rather than practical. So that's kind of an example of, of how uh, sensing and intuition might, might, um, might help in choosing a career path.
Yeah, I can definitely see how some careers would be more fulfilling to you than others based on that. Uh, what I can also imagine is for a specific type of task that you're doing, um, one might be more useful than the other. And if you have two people who are on opposite ends of the spectrum and they're trying to complete a discrete task, that could get pretty frustrating pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, and also when you have two people who are on completely opposite ends of the spectrum and, and are very used to operating in those, in those areas, um, just giving them anything, anything to look at, they're, they're going to see um, two very different things. I've got kind of a funny example of that from my own life. My partner and I, um, I happen to be an intuitive type and he is a sensing type. Okay. And we went somewhere one day and um, the, some trees had just been planted and he took a look at them and he just said, it's, it's an eyesore because they're not in a straight line. <laughs> they didn't, they're like, Oh my gosh, what's wrong with these people? They didn't plant it in a straight line. <laughs> and for me, I didn't notice it at all. I'm like, wow, really? That's, you know, okay. There's maybe a millimeter difference here, but I, I was focused on when these trees um, in a year, when we come back, you know, they're going to be so bright and, and colorful and it's going to uh, make a nice, um, a nice edge here for, for this building. <laughs> so I was uh, much more future oriented and he was much more focused on the, the minute details. And obviously there's not one right or wrong, but I thought it was funny that neither of us could see the other person's viewpoint until it was pointed out to us. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that example. What I find so fascinating about it is both of your observations were totally correct. Yes. Right? Like your individual observation and your partner's individual observation weren't the whole picture. But together, seeing separate parts of it, you actually got a fuller impression of what was actually going on, judgments aside, um, over whether that's a good thing or not. But yeah, he was correct that they weren't lined up. And you were correct that, hey, isn't it great that we have these trees here to begin with at all? And in the future, isn't it great that they will grow and, you know, contribute to the experience. Absolutely. And it's just like Bert and Ernie here with their circle. And they're both correct at looking at the circle. It's perfect. It's round. It doesn't make a sound, but it could be ever so much more. All of these things it reminds me of. <laughs> so, so that's the beauty, I think, of sensing and intuition. Um, another interesting fact about that is the majority of the world is has a sensing preference. So up to 75% of the U.S. population are sensing. And um, so intuitive types do tend to be at the disadvantage. But wow. we will see, yeah, we will see intuitives overrepresented in uh, certain um, career careers and uh, in certain workplaces too. Great. That's a, that's a very fascinating statistic. Let's take a look at how people might approach a delicate situation in totally different ways. You wanted to see me? Well, um, yeah, you know what? Yeah, come on in. Come on in here. Great job. Thank you. How's everyone taking it? Great. Listen, uh, I admire your uh, 
uh, your zeal, and I think you have some very good ideas, but you know nothing about the realities of my industry. You can set up an iChat, but you don't know how people think. Actually, I minored in psychology. Nice. Okay, kiddo, fire me. Ryan. Now listen, she's going to be doing this on a regular basis. Don't you want to know if she can fire somebody? She's fired Ned. My dog can fire Ned. Fire me. You don't need to do this. No, it's okay. I got this. Mr. Bingham, I regret to inform you that your position at this company is no longer available. Hmm. Who the hell are you? My name is Miss Keener. I'm here today to discuss your future. My future? The only one who could fire me is Craig Gregory. Mr. Gregory hired me to handle this for him. Handle what? Handle me? Mr. Gregory hired me. He's the only one who could fire me. You know what? I'm going to go talk to him. Mr. Bingham. No, no, no. You can't follow me. You're on a computer screen, remember? Right. All right, let's try this again. Fire me again. I just did. Actually, you didn't. Fire me. That's enough. I think we get it. Mr. Bingham, yeah? I'm here today to inform you that your position is no longer available. I'm fired? Yes, you're fired. Never say fired. You've been let go. Why? This is a mythical situation. How could I possibly know why? Well, why doesn't matter. You never know why. It's important not to focus on the why and rather to spend your energy thinking about your future. Well, I'm going to spend my energy on suing you unless you give me a good reason why you're firing Mr. me. Mr. Bingham, the reason's not important. So you're firing me without grounds. Now I really have a lawsuit. I get what you're trying to say, Ryan. Don't take this personally, Mr. Bingham. Personally? This is the most personal situation that you are ever going to enter. So before you try to revolutionize my business, I'd like to know that you actually know my business. What can we learn from this, Edith? Well, uh, first of all, I should I should preface this by saying I have never seen this movie uh, up in the air. Uh, but from that clip, um, I can relate that to a few things with uh, Myers-Briggs type indicator, uh, particularly with the third letter, thinking and feeling. So my understanding of this movie up in the air is that it's about a guy who travels around uh, firing people. Uh, and I think for, this can really hit home. This type of movie can really hit home for people who've faced unemployment uh, in this past year. And I mean, who knows, they might have even faced somebody like, like this guy, uh, George Clooney's character here. So I'd like to talk about um, how a thinker and a feeler, a thinking type and a feeling type might approach firing someone. Okay. So people come to conclusions in one of two ways. Thinking types emphasize the logic of a decision, stepping out of a situation and taking a cold, hard look at the decision based on facts and data. Thinking types might take people and values into consideration when they're making a decision, but these are simply facts to be considered. They're going to choose being truthful over being tactful. Uh, dealing with people requires firmness and interactions with people uh, should be purposeful. So feeling types, on the other hand, will emphasize the impact of the decision on people. Uh, they're more attuned to harmony, values, and relationships. Uh, feeling types will step into the situation and experience a decision from a feeling perspective because um, they believe uh, people are worth listening to and they want to see interactions with people as, as friendly and will therefore prefer a more compassionate approach to people. 
I'd like to encourage um, encourage our listeners here not to confuse feeling with emotions. Everybody has emotions about the decisions they make. And also it's important not to confuse thinking with intelligence because both thinking types and feeling types are equally uh, intelligent. So in this, uh, in, in this video clip, it's, well, it's likely that any job that's about firing people, um, let's face it, is going to be more appealing to thinking types <laughs> uh, than to feeling types. Right. Yeah. We will we'll often hear thinking types, especially at work, saying something like, don't take it personally. Uh, it's not meant to be personal. But to a feeling type, everything is personal. And what could be more personal than being fired from your job? Yeah. Yeah, um, but thinkers are, are impersonal about things, meaning they don't let their own feelings get in the way of a decision they have to make. Uh, they also don't tend to let someone else's subjective opinion play a role into their decisions. Their, their motto could be truth above all else. So the downside to being a thinker, the obvious is that they can be so task-oriented that it causes them to be uh, callous and indifferent about people. And they can be seen as cold or detached or even um, mean-spirited or domineering in some cases. But let's think about a feeling type who has to fire someone. I want to emphasize here that feelers can also make a perfectly logical decision to fire someone, and they can come to the same conclusion that a thinker comes to, but it's often the process for reaching that decision uh, will be different. Feelers will naturally look at the impact their decision has on the person who's affected. So in this case, it's the person losing their job. Um, they'll care very much about how they come across, and they may try to deliver bad news with, um, for example, a balance of goodwill. Uh, in this video clip, Anna Kendrick's character says, you've been fired, but you need to think about your future. And that could be, you know, one way of, of softening the blow. Uh, feelers uh, do tend to prioritize tactfulness over truthfulness. One thing that's coming through in our conversation so far and with your explanation of the different dichotomies is it's not a judgment that one is necessarily better than others or right or wrong. It's that people, just like how our personalities are different, will fall on different ends of the spectrum. And it's useful to understand that they may be responding or acting in a certain way just because that's what's natural for them. And if it's different than us, it's not because they're a jerk or they're a bad person or they don't get it. That's just them being them. They're not trying to uh, do something awful or be a bad person. It's just kind of who they are. Yes, absolutely. And if a lot of people do operate that way, they don't have the, um, the awareness of knowing, okay, why, why am I behaving this way in this situation? And uh, how is this impacting my interactions with this person and therefore my, my career prospects? So, so yeah, you're, you're right. And we're all human. So we're all naturally going to uh, behave in ways that are most natural to us. <laughs> And what you, what you brought up here, 
really brings to mind something about thinking and feeling here uh, because it's, there's a perception that feelers are, you know, they're, they're warm, they're kind, they're empathic people. But a downside of feelers is that they can be the most vindictive people. Really? Really? I never would have thought that. How so? Yes. Oh, yes. So if they believe they've been wronged, if a feeling type believes they've been wronged, they can be incredibly vengeful and can get, they want you because they want you to feel their pain. Oh, it, and, it, and it means more to them, right? It's, yeah. it's not a business. It's so personal, more personal. I get it. I get it. You get it now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, so, so it's, it, it is, it's a misconception to, to think that, uh, you know, feeling types are all smiles and roses all the time because they, they, if they want to make somebody suffer, they can do so and they will do so. <laughs> That's a great <laughs> Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Weddings can be stressful situations, and some friends can make them even more stressful. The bride and groom have a few words they'd like to say. Oh. Okay. Hello, everyone, and uh, thank you all for being here tonight. So tomorrow's the big event. <laughs> and some of you might not know, but Mike and I didn't get off to the best start. <laughs> um, yeah, my, um, my friend Joey and I uh, decided to fix each other up with friends. So I... I... Oh, I, um... <clears throat> I, I gave it a lot of thought, and I fixed him up with my friend Mary Ellen, who couldn't be here tonight because it's, it's not, not, not important. Well, she's in rehab. <laughs> Anyway, so, okay, yeah, so um, Joey said that he was fixing me up with his friend Mike, only he didn't have a friend Mike, so he just brought um, my Mike, and, and, <coughs> but despite, you know, it, it got, it got good. Okay, I want to take a moment to mention my mother, who couldn't be here. Oh, for, and, and moment's over. So, okay, um, oh no, forget that. I can forget that, and, uh, oh, this is funny. Oh, but you need to know that to, to get that, so. Oh, well, okay, um, I, okay, there, I, okay, Mark, I can't do it like this! This is my wedding, okay? I don't want, I don't want this, or this, or this, okay? I just wanted a simple wedding where my fiancé can go to the bathroom anytime he wants! <laughs> You're done. What? You're fired! <laughs> Cheers. What do we just see here, Edith? Uh, okay, so in this clip, Phoebe has to stick to a schedule. And when she veers off that schedule, even in the slightest, Monica taps her watch or rolls her eyes or lets her know you need to move on. And Phoebe finally explodes because it is just not in her nature to be as methodical as Monica expects. Phoebe would prefer to just be her flexible, fun self. Uh, so in this clip, uh, I, Monica is... Monica is a classic J or judger. She prefers a planned and orderly life. She prefers clarity and closure and always keeps a checklist. 
physical or mental checklist. Um, so items can be crossed off when they're complete. For J's, life needs to be predictable and controlled and they don't like surprises. Phoebe is more of a perceiver or a P. She's much more flexible and relaxed when it comes to dealing with unexpected uh, and expected challenges, uh, like wedding speeches. <laughs> P's are always scanning for opportunities and options, and they're therefore reluctant uh, to commit to things too early. It's much more interesting or fun to, to keep their options open. P's also tend to be frustrated by rules and routines and highly structured tasks. Uh, we saw in the video, I want my fiance to go to the bathroom when he wants to go. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't, ha- he doesn't need to, you know, commit to a schedule and, and things like that. So, so obviously, there can be some potential areas of conflict on this dichotomy of the Myers-Briggs. When, do, when issues do come up between opposites, more often than, than not, it's because a J becomes irritated with a P's nature to live in the moment or their lack of follow through. Um, P's uh, may prioritize having fun instead of doing their chores first, for example. Uh, But P's can become irritated too by a J's need for structure and for their need on, on controlling things, how things are done. And, uh, they, P's may feel irritated by the J's notions of what's correct. Uh, so these are, are very, two very different ways of looking at the world and restricting or, or trying to convert each other for both sides is going to be met with resistance. And that's kind of what we saw in this, this video clip here. Um, J's may judge a situation prematurely. And I'd like to encourage my J folks out there to to try to ask questions uh, and gather information, try to understand other people's uh, viewpoints before making uh, a judgment uh, or coming to a decision on something. J's in the workplace, for example, J's may not be aware of how alienating uh, micromanaging tendencies can be to their staff. And P's have a different challenge. They may be too casual about timelines and deadlines. And, and P's need to learn to appreciate uh, structure and follow through and uh, imagining the consequences of their actions. Those are really great insights. One thing that you said that really resonated with me is that you can't really change people to become your type or to align with what you're comfortable or your baseline is, right? It's, it's kind of a useless endeavor. It's just going to make you frustrated. It's going to make them frustrated. And the one area where I see that happening for a lot of people is vacations, right? You go on a vacation and you have one person who's like, all right, at 8am, we're all going to wake up. We're going to go to this place. We're going to see this, 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 and they plan out every minute of the vacation. And then you have the other person who's just like, you know what, let's just uh, give me a call when you wake up and we'll uh, wander into the so-and-so and we'll figure out what we want to do along the way. I can see those two people just driving each other nuts. And there's no way they're going to convince the other person that their way is the right way to take a vacation. 
here's the interesting thing about that too. Mm -hmm. As we get older, we do tend, and we mature, we Mm -hmm. do tend to come to a greater appreciation for the other side of the spectrum too. I mean, vacations, it's, I can totally uh, understand what you're saying here. I was that person who would just take a vacation by the seat of my pants and just go off and do whatever crazy thing and end up in these crazy places by myself in third world countries. Um, I have done that before when I was very young. And looking back now, I mean, there is no way I would ever do those things now. <laughs> And, you know, I think it works the same for, for other folks, too, who are, who are highly structured and, and very planful. They come to appreciate that, you know, hey, I can't always have a, a plan B, a plan C, D, E, and F here all the time. It's just not realistic. So let me relax a little and enjoy my life. Well, Edith, it's been a real treat to talk to you and learn your insights on Myers-Briggs Type Indicator. Are there any updates you'd like to share with the audience and how can people get in touch with you? Well, I'd like to thank you so much, Joe, for having me and, um, and sharing your, your time with me. I really appreciate it and really appreciate sharing my knowledge and background of the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator and Type Theory uh, with your listeners. And my website is atopcareer.com. So that's www.atop career.com. And I have uh, several podcasts uh, on my site, uh, one of which you've mentioned before, and there's a couple that are related to the Myers-Briggs. And I'd love to encourage our listeners to take a listen to them if they're interested in type theory. I just have to say the uh, A Journey Forward podcast, which I did listen to, I recommended it to one of my podcasts. I guess, former coworkers who recently got laid off and she's really valued a lot of the insights uh, from your experience there. So she, she quite enjoyed it. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for, please share, tell her, thank you for, um, for tuning in. Great. Thank you, Edith, for sharing your insights on why it works. All right. Thank you. Like Burton Ernie, a great book to go with this podcast is Quiet. The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking by Susan Kane. It will change the way you look at introversion. To receive a free copy of Quiet or another audiobook of your choice, just go to audibletrial.com slash whyitworks. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash whyitworks for your free audiobook. To support our show, please leave a rating or comment Become a sponsor of Why It Works by going to www.patreon.com slash whyitworks. That's www.patreon.com slash whyitworks. Thank you. And remember, the enemy of learning is boring. Thanks for listening to this episode of Why It Works. For more information about Joe Kwanjo coaching, as well as access to my articles, videos, and podcasts, visit joquanjo.com. And stay tuned for our next Why It Works adventure.